So let's go to Acts 5. Okay. You know, we could stop and do Ananias and Sapphira, but um, I don't think that's an atonement story, is it? <laughs> no. We can pass it if you want to. Well, maybe we should do Ananias and Sapphira, since probably everybody listening is going to feel cheated if we don't. So uh, let's go ahead and read. I'm going to go ahead and read today because our time is short. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property with his wife's knowledge. He kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Well, it remained unsold. Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. And now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard of it. The young man came and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours... His wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young man came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. Can you tell me from a business perspective what's happened here? Well, I mean, it's like embezzlement, you know, like, you know, you, I mean, and I've been in, I've seen situations where people have done that before, like, you know, they, they they charged one price and reported another price on the invoice and kept the part of the proceeds themselves. It's it's very, very wrong, you know, to do. So It's cheating. Yeah, it's cheating. Right, right. It's not, it's, and it's not only immoral, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, unfortunately I've seen it, but, you know, when I think of this, like, it's like, wow, God's been way harsh with them. Because, like, I mean, okay, you're gonna, that's going to be the natural consequence if you're doing stuff like we that. We normally put them in prison, right, for yeah, a few yeah. years. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, or, or you know, I've had that happen before, and we didn't even report it. Like, hey, guess what? You lost your job, and don't call us for a reference. You know, we didn't even go that far because the litigation expenses and so forth you know it's yeah. just, you know just would yeah. create the problem made the problem even worse so so uh, and i think that's usually what happens to tell you the truth in most minor cases anyway and in george we don't report anything if it happened we never report we never but but i think we're doing a disservice to the church if we say like oh okay pastor so-and-so you embezzled here we'll just move you to another church now you know and i think some sometimes stuff like that happens mm-hmm. so in business, they're a little bit more cutthroat, where, like, usually you, you lose your job if you're lucky, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're not sued. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are too soft yeah. on some things. Well, it's it's kind of like tantamount to, well, it's not as bad, thank God. You know, as a Catholic church, we move priests around, mm-hmm. you know, when with some of those mm-hmm. pedophilia things. Yeah, well, it's helpful to hear about it from the standpoint of embezzlement. Yeah. Because I've I've a little been just a little hazy on what was happening here, yeah. but what do you do with Zap? You're dead. Yeah. Interesting. They they just bury him. They didn't tell her. No. No. Okay. That's. And I know. It seems. It seems <laughs> that that struck me too as I was reading it. It was like wow. 
Uh, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they would think that he did a great service of burying her, burying him, because uh, to leave a person lying unburied was about the worst thing that could happen to him mm-hmm. in the ancient world. Um, because their soul was left to wander around and curse everybody, and, and and then and it was disgraceful. It was you know just the worst kind of punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lying unburied. One thing it doesn't do is say that God struck them dead. Yeah. It just says they died. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing about you know you see people that like you know have a heart attack or whatever when. You know, when they get bad news, yeah, or a stroke or something like that. Yeah, when they get bad mm-hmm. news and when, and when they've had come up in some, some sort, sort or whatever. So that was very embarrassing. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, to be caught red-handed when you're a cheat mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty unnerving, <laughs> to put it mildly. I'm more prone, you know, the, the God that like I read about in the New Testament, you know, Jesus. I don't, I think he'd be very displeased, but I don't think he'd do that. I think it was a natural consequence. I think you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and her finding out her husband had died mm-hmm. and finding out the same thing would have the same consequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another aspect to this. When we go beyond God's protection, in other words, when we, when we go against God and what we know to be right deliberately, we, we forfeit his protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... There's no life beyond that. Because I believe that God is what is who keeps us alive. Every heartbeat, every breath that we take. I believe he's actively involved in that. I don't think I don't I think the wages of sin is death and we would be dead if God didn't actively keep us alive. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, right. I, I like that I like that explanation better. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to God causing it. So we go beyond that. We've forfeited his protection. We I mean we've we've gone outside of it. And the result is death. So, anything else we can learn from this story? Imagine how tithe must go up after a story like this. If this happened in the PUC church, um, maybe the offering intake would be better. <laughs> could happen two things. Um, people will wake up if mm-hmm. we did something wrong here, and someone will just like, okay. I'm scared. I'm going to do that because I'm scared to die. You know, if if God if God allowed this to happen now, you would have two kinds of people walking out of church. One group would say, "Well, you know, it's just coincidence." The other group would say, "God punished them," and you wouldn't have very many people in the middle saying, "You know, this is the explanation." For example, that we gave. Yeah. And you you wonder why God doesn't use those measures now, or why He doesn't allow these kinds of things to happen now. Well, you know, kind of by extension, what about when you see poor stewardship at the institution that you work? Mm-hmm. We can raise our hand to that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tantamount to this going on. And we continue to contribute knowing that people aren't... You know, and this is one reason why our alums and key donors and even some students and parents... Are upset with this is because they see us spending, they saw us spending money like water, and frittering away gifts that were given and all that other stuff. I mean, are we being good stewards if we continue to to put good money after bad? You know, that's why I think like this whole idea with transparency, being honest about like, 
this is where we're at, this is where we're planning on going. we still got this we have to do in order to get there. But when you're honest with people and they know what the real story is, at least they have confidence, hey, they've got a plan to get out of where, where they're at, as opposed to trying to play duck and cover and hide what was really going on, which really was troublesome to me. I mean, it got to the point where, where um, like, I was giving money, you know, I give my money every year to Larry Taylor Scholarship Fund or um, Kevin Canavan last year and all that. I was giving to scholarship funds, but not to the school because I knew that, and, and, and it didn't matter what, it could be the religion department scholarship, I don't care what department it is. At least with the scholarship funds, you know it's going to help to help, go to help a child. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't have felt right with what was going on there, especially the last couple of years when I kind of became more aware of it, giving money to operating funds and seeing the money frittered away on parties or speakers we can't afford or, mm -hmm. you know, flying first class or whatever. So, I don't know, anyway... But why doesn't God, why didn't God do something like this at PUC? Well, I think he kind of did. He worked through people. Yeah. He worked through people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can't help but, but think that uh, he, he performed a miracle on the board. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was a long time I did. <laughs> but but I you know, that was an amazing turnaround yeah. that the board made. Mm -hmm. That if it hadn't happened, we would be in terrible shape. Oh yeah, yeah. And we would have mm -hmm. lost some more good people. You know. Um so yeah, yeah. So I, w I, w I wish God had made it happen sooner and I wish God had opened my eyes sooner. And when he did open my eyes it it, it really hurt me because this was a person that that I I trusted, and, mm -hmm. and something different was going on than what I thought. Mm -hmm. And and you know anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it seems to me that God has been trying to teach us for the last how many years? Five hundred years, maybe, since the Enlightenment. <laughs> right. Right. Um, he's been trying to teach us cause-effect relationships. Mm -hmm. and teach us to learn from that and to teach us to work within that rather than the more superstitious mindset you have here in Acts uh, where cause and effect is sort of there but it's not really the same yeah. it's, it's more the thing is in the action or something mm -hmm. um, and it seems that he has avoided dramatics he has avoided uh, people dropping dead on the church floor, like Ananias and Sapphira, or like Nadab and Abihu, which I still believe were a natural consequence. But, of course, the way the people would have looked at that is God did it. Well, and I think of those stories, you know, they're told, told in our Bible story. And, like, I know when I'd read them to my kids when they were little, it's like, hey, baby, when you make a mistake, we need to talk about it and be honest and God will forgive you, you know, not like, oh, you know, because I had my, my oldest particularly, like, oh, no, I can't do anything wrong, or God will never forgive me, and I will go to hell. And, you know, he was kind of very level one on, you know, Colbert's Colbert. hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like he wanted to avoid punishment. He's a good kid. He's still, he's still like that as an adult. He doesn't want to cause harm to other people and all that. He, you know, he's got a good soul. But, you know, I, I, that, that's, that's not... That's not high-level spirituality, mm -mm. you know. Um, you know, and I think he's grown that way now. And then my 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 younger son was the opposite. He was level two, you know. Reward what? 
okay, Daddy, if I do if I do this thing, good thing that you want me to do, what reward will I get? You know, you know, like reward seeking versus punishment avoidance. Yeah. So, so <laughs> two different kids, but um, but yeah, it's 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 a higher plane. It's reaching for like. You know, yeah. values and, and yeah. connection. And, and that's, that's how I see the Old Testament in many ways. Yeah. God is pictured in, on stages one and two. Right. Throughout much of Torah. Mm-hmm. But if you read between the lines, you know, a lot of the stories that have people doffing dad yeah. do not portray God as doing it. Right. It's it's in numbers where you have most of the stories actually saying that God does it. Also in Genesis with the flood uh-huh. and Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but there's a way to actually work through those stories to show that God's... Well, for example, with Sodom and Gomorrah, he has this conversation with Abraham. And he doesn't say he's going to destroy the city. He says, I'm going to check it out. It's Abraham who first says, will you destroy the wicked, the righteous with the wicked. And it's after Abraham uses it that God uses it. It's, it's very interesting how, how the Bible actually, if you read it in narrative sequence, it actually shows God saying it first in a preferred manner, right. his preferred way. And then after somebody, human, says it or does it in a different way, the way that they see God, then then the language becomes standardized to that way, yeah. and and so, I what I've come to is a view of two voices, in the Bible in the Old Testament particularly, but they're in the New Testament as well. You have the voice of God's preferred will, which is uh, God wanting it one way. For example, with the conquest of Canaan, mm-hmm. God says in Exodus. I'm going to drive them out from before you, little by little. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you can go in and take the land. Mm-hmm. He never says anything about killing. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, Israel thinks, they come to Kadesh Barnea. They th- assume they have to go up and kill. And so they run scared. And they refuse to go in. Mm-hmm. And so God uh, says, okay, go back into the wilderness. And after that, you have Deuteronomy saying, show them no mercy, slaughter them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you cat them to them, which is total annihilation. Right. And what you have is the acquiescence of God, which is the what I call the major voice mm-hmm. of his will, acquiesce to the will of the people. Okay, you're determined to fight your way, and I'm going to have to help you. Yeah. So that's, and, and then you go to Joshua, God never says, to go and kill the the Jerichoites. He says, go straight ahead into the city. And he leaves it up to them to decide what to do. So just before they go straight ahead to the city, Joshua says, kill everybody. (laughs) Um, And and so there you have this this dichotomy of God's preferred way, human way, and God having to adapt to it. Uh, And that's how I've come to read the Old Testament. Well, even even you know early on, you know, with Levi and Dan, with the Shechemites, you know, after the circumcision, you know, where they, you know, where the where the prince wanted to marry Dinah, and then mm-hmm. they killed them all, mm-hmm. you know, and like you know, you, you know, even Abraham, you know, like, you know, you 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 maybe like look filthy among among my neighbors, you know, like doing this. So, so like, I don't think it was God's intention 
for them to be killed. And, and, no. You know, at no. All. I don't so, think so either. Yeah. In fact, Jacob denounces that right, right. in his uh, last words, yeah. last testament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cursed is, is their wrath, for it is cruel, and their anger, for it is... Right, right, right. Yeah, and they weren't even established as regular tribes. So, yeah. Yeah, so, but it's it's um, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, well, it's like Corinthians 13, we see through a glass dark, dark now face-to-face, right? Yes. And I think of Ellen White's words um, about, the, about Jesus' death, that in the light of Calvary, yeah. the light that streams from Calvary, uh-huh. we, that, that the attributes of God in, in the Bible that have seemed mysterious and dark become clear and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus' death demonstrates is that God is not what kills, it's yeah. sin. Right. Uh, so, so I have to read. We have to. I think we have to put all that together and, and keep in mind that Jesus, Jesus never killed anybody when he was here on earth, and that he represented the character of the Father. So I think we have to keep that in mind as, as, the last statement, as it were, on this, so that we don't misread it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay, well, that's short and sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah interesting. Well, good, I liked your observation on that, because that story always bothered me. So as, as would many stories in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like, okay, like, you know, because like, you know, they, cause they wanted all of them. You know, like, I think I'm going to skip this story. Like, Daddy, you didn't read this one. Like, <laughs> some of the stories I have. I don't, I don't know how story. God shielded me when I was a child. Yeah. The stories, I never spent much time worrying about those stories. Yeah. I think partly because I knew Mommy and Daddy would never kill me. And I had to believe that God was kind of like my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also had a very early experience. I started reading the Bible when I was seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, a King James Version, of course, was the only Bible we had back then. Right. And... Um, I, my mother told me before I started reading, okay, if you have any questions, I'll be down the hall. We had a long hallway, the bedrooms upstairs, and uh, we, I was off the end from them. I don't know why that happened, but anyway, uh, she told me to come to her bedroom and, and ask her any questions I had while I was reading. So early morning, I'm reading about fearing the Lord. I'm like, yeah. what does that mean? So I trundled down the hall to my mother's room, and I say, Mom, what does it mean to fear the Lord? The Bible says to fear the Lord. Does it mean to be afraid of Him? And I remember Mom being very silent. (laughs) She's (laughs) racking her brain. What do I say to my seven-year-old child? I may have been eight by that time. Uh, What do I say to my child who's so young? Yeah. That won't frighten her from of God, and so she said, "Jean, it simply means to love Him." Yeah. And I was like, "Mommy yeah, said it. I believe it. I, I said, "Mommy said it. I believe it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. And every time I saw fear, I read in love, you know, mm-hmm. and it, and it completely oh, yeah. helped me read the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I appreciate her for that yeah. a lot, but. Um, 
for many years, I lived with the idea that, you know, God had to get rid of bad apples in the barrel to save the ones that were good and, and so on and so on. And, and somebody used that on me at, in Florida uh, two weekends ago. Wow. And uh, they said, you know, what about a doctor, you know, cancering, cutting out cancer? And I, I said, you know, I used, to, I used to use that illustration myself. Right, right. I said, the problem I have with it is that it puts people on the level of cancer. Mm-hmm. It, it makes them just, it dehumanizes them. And it eliminates their personhood completely. Mm-hmm. And it makes them be nothing but cancer cells. And I said, I, we, we do that when we're, we're fighting the enemy. Yeah. We we they become vermin. They become something horrible and evil, and mm-hmm. and and we dehumanize them. And the problem I have with that is that we dehumanize ourselves by that. Mm-hmm. So I have a problem with with just seeing it that way. And for, but for years I lived that with that, and mm-hmm. I would use that on my students, and they would just look at me like, "Don't buy it," <laughs> you know. And some of them would counter me. Right. Well, so um, well, you know, I finally I think, came to realize that we're dealing with human language, uh, uh, and the language is imperfect, right, right. as Ellen White says, um, and therefore we have to read the Bible, understanding that and getting behind the language yeah. to what's really happening. Yeah. So we don't have to believe that God killed them just because it said he did. Right. We can understand how he killed them, how he killed them, in quotes, um, that by simply letting them go, right, right. sin sin destroys. Well, just just like make no mistake about it, there's going to be people that aren't in heaven that Jesus died for, just like He did those that are there. But He knows that some of us would not be happy there, and and people that are unhappy there would turn heaven into a fallen earth again. That's right. You know, if they, so so it's not out of punishment because of punishment they're not there. It's just like you would not be happy in heaven because. You know, you're 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 too focused on self. You're to be in heaven and be happy. You got to think about others. And, you know, everyone. Well, you know. and and think how miserable it is. I, I've I've known people who actually hate love. Yeah. And and they are tormented by it. Whenever yeah. somebody loves them, they're tormented. Yeah. By yeah. it. Yeah. And and I think that's honestly the state of those who are lost. Is yeah. they're tortured by love. That's um, a good point. So anyway, uh, I'll have to call it quits. Okay.